0: Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our bold conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to him are radiant. Radiant Church, there are a lot of great young leaders in our church. And one of the things we hold dear is helping raise up young leaders, giving them an opportunity to share and proclaim and be voices. So we call this Young Voices. And today you're gonna hear from five young voices in our church. And so we're considering if you're under 40, you're young. And so uh, today you're gonna hear from Paul Barker. And I deeply love Paul and Gabby. Paul leads creative here at Radiant. And then uh, you're gonna hear from Josh Copeland. I love Josh, he serves with uh, kids here. And you're gonna hear from Dory, her and her husband, Pioneer, and leads small groups here at Radiant. And then you're gonna hear from Harrison Blake, who's helping us with kids, and is probably the youngest voice you're gonna hear from today. And then at the end, you're gonna hear from fiery Katie Reed, who uh, leads worship at Radiant. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're watching online today, Uh, Give some hearts and give them some digital shout outs. And uh, if you're in person, in gathering, make sure and tell them that they did a great job. You can even amen as you watch this on a screen. Uh, But we wanna celebrate the young leaders in our church. And so let's take the next few moments and hear from some of the up and coming young leaders at Radiant Church.
1: Good morning, Radiant Church. I'm so thrilled to be with you today. I know it looks a little bit different as I'm coming through a screen, but I believe none of that matters. God can speak to us no matter what the circumstances are. I want to give my heartfelt thank you to our pastors, David and Renata. You know how amazing they are, but I just want to talk about that a little bit. They are amazing people. So thankful to be on the team here at Radiant and to be under their leadership. Uh, And I just want to say thank you for letting me speak today. Um, It's a privilege and an honor. Now. Uh, I'm married to a beautiful young lady named Gabby, and we have two amazing children, Eloise and Ellis. And we've been in Kansas City for a little over four years now, and we absolutely love it. And uh, my daughter, Eloise, is somebody who—she's our firstborn. She has a huge personality, and she's—if if you've ever met her, you'd remember because she's a lot like me. She's um, She looks like me. She talks like me, uh, and I just love it. But I remember when she was really young, she was uh, less than one years old and she was, um, we were in a season where Gabby was working a lot and I was at home spending time with Eloise and I saw a lot of her early milestones. And one, of the th- that, I, one that I remember was when she started crawling. And when Eloise started crawling, I remember um, it used to be like, hey, I could put her down on the floor and I could go into the other room. And a few minutes later, I would come back and she was still there and it was easy. I was like, man, it's a parenting thing, I got it. Uh, well, when crawling happens, how many parents know When your child starts to crawl, everything changes, and nothing in your house is safe, nothing. You've gotta put outlet covers on the walls. You've gotta make sure that they don't get into the knife drawer, and you've gotta make sure that they're not, you know, endangering themselves, because all of a sudden, when a child starts to crawl and they're mobile, the house is like a giant death trap. and You got to make sure that they're staying safe. And so I remember Eloise had just begun to crawl and she was crawling everywhere. And gone were the days where I could, you know, s- sit down and get some work done while she was sitting down. No, she was ready to go. She was crawling all the time. And I remember as some time had went by, she was crawling a lot and it was time to take her to the, to the doctor for an appointment. And I was getting excited for this doctor's appointment because uh, I was ready to tell the doctor, hey, she's hit a milestone. She's been crawling. We're so excited about it. And, and so I remember getting ready, for, Eloise ready for the doctor and getting into the doctor's office and waiting for the doctor. And, you know, I was, I, was, I was ready to tell the doctor about this. And so the doctor comes in, gives a brief examination of Eloise. Everything looks good. And it was getting to that time in the appointment where the doctor was going to ask if we had any questions and then probably ask the question, uh, has she been crawling? Uh, Well, before that happened, uh, much to my surprise, the doctor looks at Eloise and says, oh, I noticed that Eloise has been crawling. And immediately, two things come to my head. First thing, I'm like, wait a second, I was supposed to tell you that. I was was ready to say that. And the number two is, how in the world do you know that? How can you tell without us telling you that Eloise has been crawling? Well, the doctor goes on to tell me Hey, I'm looking at Eloise's knees, and on her knees, she's developed calluses from all the times that she's been crawling, and so it's really easy for me to tell when a child has been crawling because their knees will have calluses, and I want to talk to specifically the fathers this morning. This will apply to anybody, but I specifically want to talk to you fathers. I believe that we need to have spiritual calluses on our lives that show people we have spent time with Jesus, just like it talks about in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Pastor David's been talking about this um, actually specific chapter in Acts, and I want to read it. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This is what it says Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And just like the, the council members recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus, just like the doctor recognized that Eloise had been spending time crawling on her knees, I believe that needs to be true of us. I believe that we need to be people that are so marked by the presence of God, by spending time in his presence, spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, that people cannot help to see it. So let me ask you that question. Do people know that you've been spending time with Jesus? Like, is it evident in your life? Not because you're telling them, not because you've said, oh yeah, I've been spending time with God, but is it evident on your life? Do you have spiritual calluses? Is it showing? And so I think it's an important question to ask ourselves and just be honest, take stock. Do people, can people recognize that? Is my time with God evident in my life? Because I know as a father, when I've been spending time with God, I'm a lot quicker to respond in love and grace to my children, to my wife, to others. I'm, I'm just so much more Christ-like when I've been spending time with him than when I haven't. Because I, I, when, I, when I have been missing days and I haven't been spending time with God, I can see the effects of that. And Peter and John were just ordinary men, but they, the council members were able to tell, hey, these men have been with Jesus. They were just ordinary men, but there was something about them that marked them. And this is true in any subject. Uh, it doesn't matter what um, subject you're talking about. Like, I can't just try to walk on to the Kansas City Chiefs and expect to make the team, right? Like I can't say, okay, I'm just gonna try out for the football team because I really like it. No, I actually have to spend time doing, doing that. Like I, that's a whole career. You You spend time when you're young and you have to go through little league football and then you have to get into middle school and then in high school and college and you have to devote your life to that. And I can't expect to be good at something that I haven't spent time doing. And we cannot expect to look like Jesus if we have not been spending time with him. So I just wanna give a charge to the fathers and say, like, have you been spending time with God? And If not, like, start it. Let's prioritize it. I believe that needs to be true of us. So I wanna tell you two things. Your time is valuable. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase that time is money. Your time is valuable. Um, but, and we can't expect to be good at something that, that we're never doing. Just like I said, like with the football analogy, we can't expect to um, actually look like Jesus if we're not spending time with him. And the, number two, time with Jesus is invaluable. It's invaluable. Do not forsake it. Time with Jesus is vital to our lives as followers of him. And, you know, Jesus woke up early. Uh, You see it in the Bible time and time again. He was up early to spend time with the Father. And that's our example. Like, we need to be spending time with the Father and prioritizing that. And so I wanna give just a few practicals uh, to you dads, but anybody can take this. Um, This is what I try to do um, in my spending time with Jesus, just a few practicals. So first thing is I like to get up in the morning before my wife is up, before my kids are up. I like to make some pour-over coffee and spend time in my Bible, Spend time in prayer. Number two is I like to use the one-year Bible. So the one-year Bible is where you can actually go to the date of the year, like July 5th, and you can actually pull up and see, okay, this is my reading for the day. And if I miss a day, I don't try to catch up. I just stick to the day that I'm in. And that's really helped me to stay consistent um, because there's times that I miss it and there's times that I, I, I don't actually get to it every day, but I try to get there. And number three is using a journal and a highlighter. It's so good to actually look over your time spent with the Lord over the past few weeks or the past few months and to see what God is speaking to you. So those are a few things that I do that have really helped me in my walk with the Lord and spending time with him. Uh, now, I would just love to pray for you and uh, pray specifically for the fathers. Um, you know, it's Fourth of July weekend, but really in my heart, it's, it's like it's Father's Day. And I just really want to uh, pray for the fathers today. So Jesus, I just pray for every father out there today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would begin to prioritize spending time in your presence. Lord, they would prioritize, uh, Lord, whether it's waking up early or staying up late and spending time in your word. Lord, they would prioritize being a man of prayer. Lord, I pray that that would mark the men at Radiant Church, Lord, that we would be people who are marked by your presence, or that we have spiritual calluses on our knees. Jesus, I pray for the men of Radiant Church, Lord, that that would be true of them. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in our church I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, Lord. We love you
2: today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Radiant Church. My name is Josh Copeland, and I have the distinct privilege of serving in Radiant Kids each and every week. I wanna take a quick moment to thank Pastor David and Renata for their leadership, their obedience to God's plan for their life, and for this opportunity just to share a brief idea that God has placed on my heart this morning. Like I said, I had the privilege of leading one of our elementary services each week, and I get to serve with some of the most passionate and compassionate people who deeply and truly care about the children in our church. Our mission is to lead our kids to a fulfilled and fruitful relationship with Jesus. Today, I want to talk to you about an idea that has been on my mind for over the past year, and I just can't seem to shake it. The idea is this, there is no substitute for the presence and power of God. Let me repeat that. There is no substitute for the presence and power of God. Whenever we lead our kids each week, this phrase is ringing in my mind before each and every service, and I think, which kid can God grab today? Now, the passage of scripture that I want to read today is found in Exodus chapter 33, verses 15 and 16. And it says this, and this is Moses talking. If your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way, we shall be distinct, I and your people, From every people on the face of the earth. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight. In the same way that Moses led the children of Israel, I firmly believe that it is our job to lead the children in the body of Christ into a close, intimate relationship with Jesus, that they would experience his presence, and that they would be vessels of his power. You see, when I became involved in Radiant Kids a little over a year ago, it stemmed from a conversation about serving. You see, I was talking to Nate Durinsky, and I was trying to figure out the best place for me to serve, and he made a passing comment that they could use a little bit of extra help in Radiant Kids. So I volunteered and I came back and immediately after the first week, I became attached to these children because in the course of doing so, God did something in my heart. Whenever you explain the gospel message to children, you really have to learn what it is that Jesus did. And you have to be able to articulate it in a very small window in such a way that they can grasp what it is that Jesus did in a moment. I wanna tell you that I know for a fact that some of you are called to children's ministry, specifically here at Radiant Church, and you had no idea until the Holy Spirit prompted you in this moment. You may have thoughts that there is no way that I'm capable. Kids get crazy and they scream and they run around and they make me wanna pull my hair out. And I thought some of the same things, but the amazing thing is this, is that God will equip you. He will empower you to do what it is that he has called you to do, and that is to bring his presence, to usher his presence to his children. In the same way that God transformed Moses, God can transform you and me. You see, whenever I had questions about what I would do, and there was weeks where I didn't know if I did a good job or if anybody learned anything, I trusted that God put me in a position that it was something that he said through me that would help these kids experience his presence. Like Moses, I felt completely unprepared, but God worked in me. For me, the proof of this is in one of our kids. His name is Eli. Week in and week out, he would come in so excited to be there at Radiant Kids. And in one week, right around Easter, we were talking about what it means to worship and what it means to press in to God's presence. And so during that worship service, I saw Eli engage in the worshiping and pushing into God's presence in a way that I had never seen before. And week in and week out from that moment forward, he pressed in. He sought God's presence. And so after a few weeks, I made it a point to tell Eli's mom that, you know, Eli has found a good thing. God is working in Eli. And she looked at me with the most emotional look in her face, with so much relief. And she told me, I am so glad that you told me that because I did not know. Where Eli was, I did not know if he wanted anything to do with Jesus, because he never talked about Jesus at home. And so, knowing that being there each and every week and showing these kids what it means to press in to the presence of God has completely changed my life in ways that I could have never imagined. If you have ever wondered what it might be like to serve and witness to kids and just share the love of God with them, I would be honored if you would reach out to myself or Renata, and we would love to get you plugged in and involved because it's not just about the kids. It's also about the change that God does in you. You get the opportunity to push in to God's presence like you have never before. And you get to usher and lead the children in our church to a fruitful relationship with God. I want to pray over us really quickly this morning because I know there are some of you who have a passion burning in your heart for kids right now. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and the pursuit of your presence. Lord, we thank you that you are welling up in their hearts a sense of calling to draw your children closer to you. Lord, I thank you that you would give them the boldness to respond to that call and to change kids' worlds.
3: Hi, my name is Dory Shannon, and my husband and I serve in small groups here at Radiant. We love the community here at Radiant Church. Our passion is to see people take their steps into community. I'd love to help you in your journey to get connected, whether you're watching online or in the room. I am so excited to be gathering in person again. However, a couple of weeks ago during worship, I was feeling the sense of, man, there's still so much going on. And a desperation for a move of God began rising up within me. And honestly, it's been an emotion I've become well acquainted with in the past few months. I sense the Holy Spirit in that moment whisper to me and say, Dory, what you're feeling are the birth pangs. And he directed me to Romans 8, through 25 in the message. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We're enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Okay, so where are my moms at? You know that every woman labors differently. You have the ones that quietly and calmly breathe through contractions, and then there's the screamers. I never quite understood the screamers until I was in labor with my own son, Finley. I hit a point of despair when I realized the epidural I received just moments ago was definitely not kicking in. (laughs) And suddenly, I understood the screamers. I look over to see Skylar uncontrollably laughing because somehow he found humorous my current state of misery. I then <laughs> feel this hand try and grab me and I straight up slapped it away only to realize it was my sweet, sweet nurse trying to move me to prepare for delivery. Now, some of you may <laughs> could say that that was the birthing pain or perhaps you mamas could argue that it may have been marriage pain from my husband laughing at me. We're still unsure. But later, she did receive an apology. And as for Skylar, the Lord's sweet justice came when my water broke all over him. But you see, as impending delivery approaches, the contractions become increasingly more painful and more frequent. But this isn't a pain we despair from because we know that it's productive. It births life. The pain is accompanied with expectancy and hope that comes with the promise of new life. Right now, I believe we are all experiencing the birth pangs Paul wrote about in Romans 8 on a corporate and a personal scale. You see, the world is telling us that we're entering into a new normal. We hear that phrase over and over again. And I agree, we are transitioning into a new normal, but it's not as the world perceives. Right now, we are being positioned and conditioned for revival. Revival means restoration to life, consciousness, vigor, and strength. God is longing to pour out his spirit and position us for revival. But how do we prepare and what is our role? First, I, have, I believe we have to guard our input. Who and what our vision and our focus on is of the utmost importance. What's mostly coming in? Is it social media, the news? others' opinions, or is it his word? Our hope is directly affected by what we consume. We are faced with a thousand conflicting narratives of fear, neg- negativity, disunity, and of pain. Our vision must be what, on what God is birthing in the supernatural, not the pain of the contractions. You see, a focus solely on our pain will immobilize us and can choke out what God is wanting to do. But here's the challenge. Often, what God is saying and what he's promised will look completely opposite from what we can currently see in the natural. So I implore you, let us be fully engaged to the real story and see from his perspective so that we can usher into existence, his reality. And second, I believe that God has already been mobilizing the church to intercede, but we must be persistent in the place of prayer to witness revival in our midst. Prayer is God's invitation to partner with him. So let us not grow weary, but would we embrace a mindset, I'm going to pray until I see it happen. I implore you, don't let the largeness and seemingly impossibility of our current circumstances cause our hearts to be hardened but let it be the vehicle that keeps us coming back to the place of intercession. If we look at the history of every revival, each one was birthed from the continuous prayers of the saints. In 2012, I had the opportunity to travel to Lahore of Wales, where Evan Roberts led the Welsh revival and it shifted an entire nation towards God in 1904. Kansas City needs a move of God like that And there's this poster documenting the history of the revival. And it had this phrase that has forever been ingrained in my mind. And it read, society was changed and Wales became a God-fearing nation. But I just want to change that because my belief and my prayer is this, that society was changed and Kansas City became a God-fearing city. So God, we just pray for a move of God in Kansas City. God, we need to see your movement, Jesus. We pray that we would have focus on what you're doing and what you're birthing in the supernatural. And I pray that we would be persistent in the place of prayer. Amen.
4: Good morning, Radiant Church. My name is Harrison Blake, and I have the honor and privilege of serving on our kids team here at Radiant Church. I just wanna take a moment and thank Pastor David for the amazing opportunity to be able to share with you guys today. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn with me to Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. It says, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So I want you to take that word trust and think about a trust fall, right? Can I get a a raise of hands for anyone who's ever done a trust fall or heard of it before? I'm assuming most of you have. Um, You know, when I think of a trust fall, you really start to think about it. It's kind of a crazy concept. Um, You're putting your trust in a stranger with the possibility of hitting the ground and busting your head open, right? It's just, it's crazy to me. I don't know, I just, it's weird to think about. Um, I was doing a missions program and then we were doing a team building exercise. Of course, it was a trust fall. Um, So everyone took a partner, they paired up and fell blindly. Into their arms, you know, not really sure if that day would be their last. (laughs) But I did the unthinkable that day and I fell into the arms of my partner and was completely fine, you know. And unfortunately, the girl to my right was not as fortunate and she kept falling and falling and falling and eventually hit her head really hard on the ground. And, you know, everyone was a little worried at first, but she was okay. Um, And, You know, when I think about this story, I think about how much we trusted 2020 to be a good year. We were so excited for everything that it was bringing for the new year, you know, on a New Year's Day and um, just the different attributes that it was going to bring. And I really think that it's hard to see that now Um, with everything that's gone on since that new year. um, I think it it can be a little clouded, Um, but I think that there's a different perspective that we can have. When I left for YWAM, I was pretty convinced that I was going to be doing missions for the rest of my life. And when I came back home and decided that that wasn't the step that I was going to be taking, I felt a little bit lost. I kept praying and praying that the Lord would show me the plan that he has for me. And I kept praying Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you a hope and a future. And I took this as the Lord was going to show me the plan that he had for me. And I kept praying and begging for the Lord to show it to me. But he took me to a different verse. And so if you have your Bibles open, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And this simple verse changed my entire perspective. The Lord has given us his word as a compass and a rock to put our trust in him. All we have to do is open up our hearts and put our faith in God. This year may be different, and it comes with its own set of challenges. And it's really easy to focus on all the different negative things that have happened so far. But it's because of our relationship with Christ and having him inside of us that we can have a different perspective than those around us. We put our trust in God and give up our fears and anxieties to him. We can look at this as a time to grow closer to him as our father. We can look at this as a time to invest in our families. We can look at this as a time to prepare for when we go back out into the world. You know, I've heard it said before that the biggest loss in the end is if we come out of this unchanged. So I want to challenge you today with something. What are you holding on to that you need to let go of? Big or small, whether it's the plan for your life or maybe it's just how the bills are going to get paid this month. Find something to give up to the Lord because when we put our trust in the Lord as a body of Christ, we become unified. And when we unify, we can see a change in our nation. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to speak today. I pray that as we learn about trust and how to trust you, even when it's not easy, that we would open up our hearts and be vulnerable with you and give over those parts of ourselves that we've been holding on to for a long time. God, I pray that you would touch every single heart in this room today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
5: Hey, Radiant Church, I'm Katie Reed, and I have the joy and privilege of serving at Radiant Church by leading the worship team. I'm so excited to be able to share with you today, and I just wanna take a minute to honor David and Renata, our pastors, and just um Talk about how incredible they are and how amazing their leadership has been. And it's been awesome. My husband and I, recently hopped on uh, the team here, and we have just been blown away by the community, by the joy and the culture here. Our kids have fallen in love with Radiant Kids and have loved and enjoyed every moment of being in Radiant Kids. And so it's been a joy and a privilege to run inside of Radiant. I wanna share today from Matthew 22. This is the story when, Jesus is talking to some of the Pharisees and a lawyer comes and tries to trick him in his conversation. Jesus was a brilliant teacher. And so anytime that he would share, it would just blow them away. And they were getting jealous and angry and frustrated with him. And so Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, they ask him, they say, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Or in other words, they're saying, Which is the most important rule that you think that we should follow? And Jesus responds by saying this, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the greatest and supreme commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Contained within these commandments to love, you will find the meaning of the law and the prophets. I love the way that Jesus responds here because they come to try to entrap him, and he responds with pure goodness and pure revelation. And I can you imagine being that lawyer and looking into the eyes of the answer to the cry of every human heart? You're looking into the eyes of raw goodness. And he responds, Jesus responds in such a way that reaches to the heart and the soul of the man. And he says, You're going to love me with all your heart. This is the greatest commandment. And I love that. They come and they go, Jesus, what is the greatest rule that you think we should follow? And Jesus responds, affection. This is what I want from you, affection. This is what I long for from you is affection. More than good behavior, more than compliance Jesus is after something deeper in our hearts. And I feel just this jealousy in the heart of God to uh, to draw and and to bring people close to him. And sometimes I feel like following Jesus has become, regimented rules and regulations. And and sometimes we accidentally have painted this picture of, uh, of a list of things that we just have to do in order to be like Jesus or be near Jesus or get to heaven one day. And I just feel the jealousy of God. The heart of the Father is that He's after more than your compliance, and He's looking for more than good behavior. My husband and I have three kids. And as we've grown in parenting, we have learned that there's something more from our kids that we want than just compliance. And there's something more from our kids that we want than just direct obedience. There's times when my kids will obey and I know that they're mad at me. And there's something that Kenny and I are digging deeper into their hearts. We want to win their affection. We want to win their affection because when we win the affection of our children, then obedience is a given. It's just so easy for them to obey. It's so easy for them to listen and it becomes a joy. And then we feel that in return. And that I think is the heart of the father is that he is, he is longing and looking for people that will by choice voluntarily give their affection to him because where there is no choice, there is no love. Where there is no choice, there is no love, and so God gives us this incredible gift called free will. And He's not going to force His His hand on you. He's not going to force Himself on you, but He He draws us. The Bible says that He likes to draw us with cords of loving kindness. Jesus likes to describe Himself as as gentle and lowly, as compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. And all of these things begin to draw us to the heart of God. And then we begin to experience what He's like and we get to experience His love and His deep affection. And it makes us want to willingly obey and willingly do the things that He's asking because really, we're designed that when we are in obedience to God, our hearts are fully alive. When we live a life of obedience to the word, our hearts are alive. And if we look at the Bible and we look at scriptures and principles as a crushing weight on us, then we're never gonna feel the deep satisfaction of a a connection with God. But when we look at these, these principles and we look at them as boundary lines and we look at them as protection and we look at them as this is how we're gonna thrive in this life, then we begin to see God as a gracious shepherd who is drawing us close to Him. I love when Jesus tells His disciples, He says, I'm not gonna call you servants anymore because servants, they don't know what their master's doing. But I'm gonna call you friends because I want you drawn close to me. I want you to know the plans and the dreams that are in my heart. I want you to know these things. And so I'm not gonna look at you like you're a servant where I tell you what to do and then you just go do it. But I'm gonna look at you like a friend where I get to share the dreams in my heart and then it becomes alive inside of you and then you get to run with me in this. This theme of, of God drawing man to, to himself, this is, this is the song of the ages. This is the story of stories. This is the thread woven throughout the Old Testament and the prophets and the New Testament. We watch it played out as Jesus walks the earth. This is the story that this is everything that the law and the prophets hang on this. Jesus says, I want your affection. And more than that, when you give me your affection and you walk in this with me, you're gonna be deeply fulfilled, deeply satisfied. And I just, I love the way that God has orchestrated and and created the whole storyline is to draw you to himself. This is the story from the garden to the mountain with Moses, to the cross of Jesus, This is the theme that is driving every single story that you are reading in scripture. It's that God wants to be with you. He wants to draw you to himself. And so Father, I ask you, God, I ask you right now, God, that you would reach out to people, that you would draw them to yourself. God, that the story of the ages would resound inside of us and we would look into the eyes of the answer to the the human heart, the cry for the human heart to find satisfaction, the cry of the human heart to find joy and peace. God, that we would look into the eyes of Jesus, Lord, and that you would draw us and we would be forever changed by your love. In Jesus' name, amen.